Shame. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, the sun beautifully trickling down upon us. It's a shame the Orioles, it feels like since the Orioles are not here, that's why the weather's so nice, because every time they come home or elsewhere, the weather follows them. It rained all weekend when the Yankees were here, or no, who was here this past weekend? Um, Angels. The Angels, and then it rained in New York. Just a disaster of a weather. But now, of course, it's beautiful when they're not here. As Gary Thorne said, do you have a drought in your town? The Orioles will come and they will fix it. Exactly, exactly. So while the Orioles are away, Bobby and Paul will record podcasts, as they say. We got to add that every time they get rained out so that we can add it to our list of Gary Thorne uh, bites, including this. I love it. And this. Do the floss, baby. Do the floss. Can you floss, Paul? Uh, you saw me. I was trying the other night. Yeah, um, I'm not great at it. It's very. It's it's a it's a simple. It looks confusing. I it took me a while to learn. Right, but it's actually once you get the hang of the, the rhythm, it's like oh, it's well, actually kind of easy. It's just your le- your hips are going left, right, left, right. I I, I describe it as in out over. I'm so gonna take the mic with me as I try. We can actually stand there. and do this. Yeah, because yeah. thank um, you. So yeah. um yeah, so it's like so it, you got it. The the thing is though. <laughs> Look, I don't have a very strong core, Bobby. Okay. Uh, and it is quite the workout on the lower abdomen. Well, because you were moving those yeah. hips. Well, yeah, it's more in the hips than the abs. No, but I mean, I just, I, I don't want to put in the effort to make my core stronger. You know, I don't. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a personal decision. It is. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite happy with it. All but right. it's just, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of movement. Your uh, swinging over needs work, but yeah, you got no. the essential. In, out, over. Yeah, there Look, you go. I have an entire mocha cookie crumble in my stomach <laughs> yeah. right now, so this is also, probably not the best idea. I need to give a shout-out to you, my friend, because many people, as people know, we have long hours here in the Madison Web Studio up in the warehouse, you know, early in the season, lots of baseball, lots of uh, stuff to do, and you were kind so enough going with to do a, a quick coffee run and grab me a small coffee, and I, I appreciate that, well, and I appreciate you well, because you got, it was necessary. But I also consider this. We I went to Starbucks, now. and I got you a small black coffee. That's all I needed. Right. Okay. If you're going to Starbucks, why not get something fancy? Because we have in our lovely kitchen here, Bobby, a, a nice coffee maker. A you nice, know what? A nice coffee. It's a Keurig. That's not. It's a Keurig. It's a beautiful Keurig, and you can get a small black coffee from ten right. steps away. And I did when I first got into this, the the office today. But you know what it tasted like? <laughs> Dirt. All right. I, all the so, I have no problem drink. We've talked about coffee too much on this podcast. I have no problem drinking a Keurig coffee, but when all the Starbucks cups are gone, like, I don't mean to sound. Elitist because kind you sound pretty darn elitist. A little snotty, you know? snooty, but you know, like you're filled with snot. You're filled with yeah. snoot. The uh, the nubbins coffee cups just they they what I don't know, the cup I had when I first got in. Yeah, this is why I asked for one because the cu- the cup I had when I first got in tasted like it was burnt. It tasted horrible. So I was like, I need a. You know when you like have something bad. Like, whether it may be, like, food or drink, and then you're just like, that was awful. I need to redo that. I, I need, need a good version I need of it, that, yeah. And I need it now, because yeah. otherwise, otherwise it's going to be stuck in my head or on, my, or on the tip of my tongue for the rest of the day. 
that's what happened to me today. So I appreciate you and I thank you for grabbing me a quick cup of coffee while you were out um, running an errand. Well, and just I, so I, you know, it was not as good as my mocha cookie. Crumble, I know it wasn't. Was so good. So delicious. Very not good for you, but good for the soul. Um, yeah, exactly. So then it was good for me. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk, uh, let's talk some baseball before we get fully into it. Just a reminder to like and subscribe our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. A lot of people listen to our podcast on Spotify. That's and hit us, yeah, SoundCloud. And hit, and hit us up at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mancano. Let us know where you like to listen to your podcast. If we're on a platform that you prefer to listen to your podcast and we're, you don't find us, let us know. We can try to get it on there because um, I think we should, I think, Spotify, everyone's kind of universal on Spotify. So, but if there's another platform that you listen to your podcast and you can't find the Mass and All Access podcast, let us know and we'll try to make that work. And uh, we will give you all of our cost, coffee advice, our coffee flavors. Every time we get a coffee, we'll let you know exactly. Milk, a cookie, what we crumble, do. five stars. Exactly. Uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff. Please rate, review, subscribe. All that good stuff, just a reminder. All right, let's get into the actual baseball. Uh, Bobby, I was thinking about last week, we talked about Rio Ruiz being one of them diamonds in the rough, right? One of those guys that might have flown onto the radar, but the Orioles picked up off the scrap heap and might turn into a major league player. Yep. They, they've done that a few times, I think. Um, th- this era of Orioles baseball right now, this the beginning at least few months of the 2019 season, is quite a lot about finding the cheap contracts, finding the undervalued guys, and turning them into major league players. So I thought about a a, a way that we could name this segment. I haven't put in any production value, but I want to call this segment uh, Every Bird Has Its Day. Every Bird Has Its Day. Okay. Because because I want to highlight a lot of these guys because I feel like, um, look, they're guys that I think fans can um, follow. I think they're guys that there are... The, the Orioles don't have names in terms of name recognition, nationwide name recognition on their roster. But what they lack in that, they have undervalued, underappreciated guys. And look, if that's if that's not Baltimore, which is undervalued and, <laughs> um, you know, better than people think it is, then I don't know what is. Yeah. So I think in that, in that way, this team um, has kind of a, a Baltimore flair, Definitely. if you will. Yeah. Um, so I think there one guy that I want to talk about, the bird that I want to talk about for today would be uh, Pedro Severino, Bobby. So we're giving Pedro his day. We're giving this bird his day, and uh, he, he deserves it. He does. He deserves it. Pedro Severino, who has, uh, you know, after Jesus Sucre um, was put on waivers and then kept by the organization because no one claimed him, Pedro Severino has taken over the bulk of the starts behind the plate. Uh, he's still only 25 years old, uh, but he's done pretty darn well with the opportunities. And he's talked about, you know, the, the the fact that he's getting these opportunities. That's what has really helped him and the fact that he's not constantly worried and looking over his shoulder and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at his stats so far, he's only hitting 238. Obviously, that doesn't jump out to you. Um, he's played in only 20, 21 games. His on-base percentage, if uh, he had enough games, enough plate appearances, would be third on the Orioles right now. His slugging percentage would be second behind Trey Mancini, and his OPS would also be second. He is hitting the ball out of the ballpark. He's hitting doubles, um, and what he's doing at the plate is, I think, 
it is so much more than what we saw when he was in Washington. Um, he, it just seems it like he's is. getting so much better contact. And dry, I, I feel like I didn't think that he ever had this type of power or potential to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But he has been... Um, he, he has driven... For a team that desperately needs some kind of power, he has delivered it um, from kind of an un- unexpected spot there. Well, I mean, in 21 games, he has... I mean, it's as simple as this. In 21 games, he has five home runs. He had four home runs total over parts of four seasons with the Nationals. Yeah. I mean, he has literally never hit this the ball as hard as he is now. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's as simple as I can make it. And it's just funny that this is a, how the situation came about. You know, this is a guy who was DFA, you know, kind of sneakily DFA'd yeah. or placed on waiters by the, the Nationals. They were kind of hoping that would fly under the radar and they were able to stash him. But the Orioles, and kudos to Michael Elias and his people, noticed that immediately and went and scooped him up. They were like, hey, we, we have a need for another catcher or possibly, and this guy has potential. Um, you know, he, he's been praised for his defense at, at times, and his bat hasn't been that great, but there have been flashes. Let's, let's at least bring him in and give him a shot. Yeah. So that's, just, that's also just funny how that kind of went about. But, yeah, uh, I mean, to, to add – to this team that has already, or not even this team, this Ross, this organization that has pretty solid catching depth. Yeah. Um, to be able to come in and, and play the best ball he's ever played, it's kind of like a, a scenario where, you know, it's a good problem to have almost, yeah. where, where he is contributing right away to the big league club. They have depth at the catching position, but now, you know, it's, it's almost a good thing that he's... Mi- making it a tough decision down the line for Michael Elias and Brendan Hyde on what to do with him in terms of, all right, well, how do we go about using him as a catcher when we've got right. guys like Chan Sisko waiting in the wings or and yeah. was, we were able to man, man, we were able to hold on to Sucre and, mm-hmm. and he, he performed well for us while he was up here. Well, yeah. And the, the thing is he's only Severino is only a year older than Cisco. So it's not like Cisco is still this very young guy. He's, you know, 21 or 22, he's 24. And so they are about the same, you know, on the same kind of footing there. They're not exactly the same in terms of experience. Um, and Cisco, the thing is, Cisco has been crushing the ball right now at Norfolk. He's up to, uh, he started out the season very cold, but he's gotten out of that. He's hitting 280. Uh, he now has seven homers, 25 RBIs, um, and he is just uh, getting better and better. So at a certain point, you know, he's going to, play his way into the bigs and they're going to have a decision to make in terms of that. And it's a, it's a good problem to have because now you could have two guys, two young guys um, that could be, you know, catchers of the future in theory. Also, there happens to be another guy that is in the going to be taken most likely first overall in the upcoming draft in a few weeks who also is a catcher in Adley Rutschman. Right. So, and don't forget about Austin Wynn's already here. Yeah, so there's some weird kind of... It, they are weirdly deep at catcher right now. Um, and the way that Pedro Severino is playing, you know, all of these guys, they're not necessarily... They, they partly are definitely trying to, to, to play for long-term spots in the, in the, on the team, but also, especially the veteran guys, they could be playing for a trade to a, a contender midway through the season. Um, so... When you look at like Michael Givens is like the idea kind of of, of that type of players right yeah. now. So 
But the way that Pedro Severino is playing, he, I, I think, is outperforming expectations at this point. Absolutely. Um, and so his defense, too. You mentioned his, his defense being in there. Um, thrown out eight base runners, right? Only allowed three steals. That's a 73% caught stealing percentage. That would be far and away the best percentage amongst catchers in the bigs right now if he had enough games played. And now that Sucre is, is down in the minor leagues, he's probably going to get to the point where he has enough plate appearances and, you know, um, and games there. So you look at the list of guys currently in MLB that have thrown out eight base runners. They have all played way more games than yeah. Pedro Severino. He has played 21 games, as mentioned. Every other guy who's thrown at at least eight has played 27 games. So he's gunning guys down. And it's the, you know, we've talked about the kind of fire that he brings and the excitement as kind of being like a staple of this team. Like, I feel like there are a lot of guys on this team that just kind of exude that, whether it be Dwight Smith Jr. or even Hanser Alberto kind of exudes that at times. He's very demonstrative. Pedro Severino might be the most of all those guys. And when he was in D.C., he kind of got some flack for it. Um, you know, he did that bat flip after, what, his second career homer, second homer of the year. Yeah. And he ended up partially getting sent, sent back down. down to the minors for it. But that kind of swag for a guy that there were there so few guys with a ton of major league experience on this team, you can get away with that here, right? Yeah. You can you can be demonstrative because you have there are no expectations for your play, your personal play. So you are outperforming expectations, and you're making a name for yourself. And it, I, I, it there just is so much more room for that kind of demonstrative excitement, and it gets me fired up, Bobby. Yeah, how can it not? I, I think we touched on Pedro Severino a tad last week. Yeah, um, when we, re- we recorded our episode because it was the day after. The Orioles almost pulled off a great win against the Red Sox, and that was Chris Sale's 14 strikeout appearance. And and Pedro Severino in that game had a great strike him out, throw him out. Yeah, that that helped preserve. I think it was at that point a one one tie. Yeah, um, and and he w- and it, we talked about it. He like immediately fist pumped and like yeah. almost hit the umpire like <laughs> yeah. who, who was trying to throw the ball back to the whoever was pitching at the time. Uh, it's just that the. The untangibles, I guess, is what it's called. You know, the guy, yeah. you know, the passion. The, and and a, with a rebuilding team like the Orioles right now, that's just something that's like it's it's great to see because you know, you want guys in here that want to compete, want to win, regardless of the circumstances. That love the game. That you know can also show other young guys that hey, it's okay to wear your emotions on the on your sleeve in in this game. You know, that it's almost better. You know, don't bottle it all up. And it's also such a stark contrast to what we've seen in the past couple of years with the Orioles yeah. since like 2012, 2011, whatever it may be, where they were full of, which I'm not saying one way is wrong, one way is right, but, you know, they were full of, of veterans and, and, and professionals, guys who knew to go about their business. You know, Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope were at one point like as flashy as the Orioles got with their handshake celebrations after home runs. Yeah. But, you know, the other guys like Adam Jones, who was kind of flashy in his own right, but like nothing like we've seen from Severino yeah. or Sucre or, or Alberto and Jonathan VR, guys like that, you know. But it was just the way that this team went about their business and 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 had a very kind of toned down way of playing the game. Whereas now guys like Severino are here and are, and are firing up. And I, I think honestly. One, the team feeds off it, but also the fan base. Feed, we feed right. off it. I mean, yeah. I was fired up. We were sitting here watching Severino pitch yeah. that, you know, that strike him out, throw him out. And I think the fans here like it too because it's just kind of that new flair. It brings an excitement to the team, to the ballpark. And in and, and rebuilding stages, 
that's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for guys who 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 are, are reasons to watch, you know, and who bring excitement to the game and, and, and are fun to watch. Well, and the phrase that has taken over baseball this year is let the kids play, right, Bobby? That's been like the motto for the for uh, the game so far this year. And, you know, it, it has been highlighted in the commercial by like the Mike Trouts and the Giancarlo Stantons and Reese yeah. Hoskins and such. But, you know, like the faces of the game. Um, but it's kind of funny because you can apply it here too in terms of like, you know, just, just uh, it's exciting to see, and just wait until they actually get guys like an Austin Hayes, or a, you know, or you know, you, you eventually use Neil Diaz or somebody that is going to be consistently good. Yeah, and then you know, there is already a culture here that Brandon Hyde is establishing, and part of that is um, them being um, kind of you know, th- they're not ridiculous in your face, like. Um, you know, out there bat flipping all the time, but it's a relaxed culture in which these guys can express themselves and they don't have to worry about, you know, um, we have to play this way. You know, we, we can only celebrate this type of home run. We can only celebrate in this kind of scenario. It's like, this is, this is a young guy's team. This is a, a young team. Um, and I, it has the potential to get even younger as the season goes along, as guys get brought up. Yeah, so the chance Cisco's and maybe the Austin Hayes's work their way onto the team. So it's their team. They these these young guys are, you know, Brandon Hyde is part of it, but these young guys have their hands on shaping the culture of this team. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, I mean, I don't mean to equate this to like, well, I will, but like, <laughs> this is just kind of drawing back on my personal experiences. Like, I joined a fraternity at the University of Maryland, and it was one or two years on campus. It was a long-established fraternity that had been kicked off that returned when I, like the year before I started college. And that's kind of the message that the the brothers that were there before I eventually pledged and was initiated into, that they kind of, hey, you can come here and make whatever you want. Like, we don't have, like, you know, there's the athletic frat, there's the the smart frat, there's the party frat, whatever. We don't have like a stereotypal so, so to speak on on us right now you guys can come in here and and my pledge class was like the first full-on freshman pledge class like 30 dudes yeah. and you, that's how they sell it sold it to us so, you know come make it what, what you want it to make because we don't have and that's what, what the Orioles are right now we're rebuilding we don't have a culture we got a brand new front office brand new coaching staff and manager come play here make it whatever you want Starting from the top to the bottom, right. you know, as far like guys down like UCL Diaz and, and young guys who have been brought over who, are, who sort of just got here in terms yeah. of being traded over last summer. Come make it what, it what you will and then we'll build this culture together. You talk about Brandon Hyde and it's it's hilarious because it, it kind of feeds into what he spoke about it today in his pregame press conference. This is via Steve Molesky at Mass and Steve on Twitter when um, he when Brandon Hyde was reminded about how kind of – his team goes about their business and the and the losses they just suffered at losing a doubleheader to New York. You know, Brandon Hyde said, quote, we're going to improve as the year goes along. We're still developing a lot. I think the mood in our clubhouse has been the same since day one. They have not let the losses affect them. We're not going to sulk or feel sorry for ourselves. And it, that that's kind of like the model they're going yeah. about. You know, we're just going to go out and play. We're, we're going to do our business the way we want to. You know, we know what the situation is. We're going to have fun. And it's cool to see that Steve tweeted that. And the two top comments replies to him are the vibe with this team is so different than last year's in a good way. That's what you want to hear. God, I love our new coaching staff. You know, it, yeah. it's just bringing a whole new vibe and excitement to this team that I don't think we've seen in a generation or so. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, for all of the losses so far, you know, for where the Orioles are in the standings at this point, they could feel a whole lot more down or be more frustrated, but they're just not. And um, uh, that is because in baseball, you have to have a short memory. You have to forget that last night's game as soon as you wake up the next morning. Right. And that is what this team has done uh, consistently. So uh, great to see that. And, and you know, that as we, we have this current, you know, you can bemoan the fact that, you know, this team may not have the names that, that other teams do, but we have these guys. <laughs> I, I, there are just so many interesting guys that are flying under the radar right now in terms of all of baseball and, um, just the, the nationwide perspective on this team. But there's so many interesting guys, and you have to just kind of view it through the lens of what this team is about and what this team is, is looking for. And, you know, they, a guy like Pedro Severino or a guy like Rio Ruiz that they got for almost nothing. Like yeah. Severino they got for nothing. Uh, Ruiz they got for international signing bonus money. You know, for them to turn these guys into just, they don't have to be all-stars. They don't have to be, you know, necessarily be everyday players. But for them to be big league hitters or in big league players is a win. Yeah, yeah, and, and contribute in a positive way right. to the to this team now. Like, again, this season, we're not all in for this season. We're all right. in for three, four seasons down the line. But that there's still games to be played in 2019. Right at least be competitive and why not try to go win some. And even if these guys aren't around in two or three years when this team is hopefully a World Series contender, or, you know, a championship caliber team, even if they're not there, the I think these are good signs that the coaching staff knows what they're doing in terms of building a culture and also knows what they're doing in terms of developing and getting the best out of the guys on the field. And finding players to fill those uh, yeah, those and it, roster spots. Exactly. And, and Michael Elias and his people going out and saying, hey, this guy will fit here. This guy exactly. can do this for us. Let's go get him, bring him in. So, yeah. So it's, it's a great way to start off. If you're going to rebuild, it's a great way to start off yeah. with, with these kind of guys bringing them in and, and doing it. Like, and I like your point. Like These guys might not be here for the long haul, but you know why not bring them in? And, and you know, who's to say... Paul, in two or three years, we're going to look back and remember that 2019 season? Yeah, you know, they didn't win a bunch of games, but they were still fun to watch because right. they went out every day and competed. They didn't care about the chip on their shoulder. They didn't care that they were supposed to finish last place. Exactly. They didn't care that people projected them to have one of the worst seasons in all of baseball history. They just went out and played, and it was it was still fun to watch. And if I'm a GM of a contending team, I'm looking at the Orioles right now in terms of looking up, up and down their roster and saying, are there guys here that I can try to, you know, add to my team well it's also i mean even before that you're looking at this roster being like this is a team that you know especially if you're a contender this is a team that one we should be and need to beat yeah in order to sure reach our goals but it's not going to be an easy out yeah like you know these guys are still going in and out guys like trey mancini jonathan like vr we were talking about rio ruiz last week they're yeah. having solid seasons andrew kashner pitching every fifth day has been has been solid yeah john means has been you know a, a bright spot you know it's not easy out and and you know, last year they might have been. This year they're not, just yeah. because this whole culture and this whole different attitude that they've come in this season is has I think, you know, we'll never be able to put a number on it because it's an intangible. But you know, it's a plus war yeah. if that makes any sense. You know, and it gives fans and the players, but mostly the fans, kind of an excuse to when they do pull out wins against the defending world champ Red Sox and the, you know, incredible Yankees team, though they're injured and stuff. But like the better teams in the AL, right? Pimp the heck out of it. Yeah. Like that is, and that you is go, what they've done so far. It's like trash talk the heck out of winning teams that you beat. You go up, I'm, I'm, 
what was it, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, like the Boston Marathon weekend, the the Red Sox always get the Orioles for that weekend. Yeah. Because, they you know, it's their weekend. It's going to be an easy out. You go and take two out of four, ha. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah, that sucks. You know, you don't really get to celebrate as much as you thought you got. To. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pimp the hell out of it. You know, have fun. I mean, it's always fun to beat. We talked about it. Even when they were competitive, always fun to beat the Red Sox and Yankees. Even right. more so now because you're not supposed to. Exactly. Everyone's counting you to get blown out. When you beat them, be like, ha. We're not just some pushovers. We're going to come out here. We don't care if you're the 27-time world champion Yankees or the defending champion Red Sox. We're going to come and beat you. Exactly, exactly, Bobby. So uh, good bit. Good, uh, good good segment of uh, every bird gets his day. Every bird does get his day. Who's going to be the next bird for us to highlight? We'll Let see. us know. We'll see. And we'll see in a week what uh, what th- what changes things. You yeah. Know, who, has a, who has a hot week? Um, Bobby, you brought this to my attention. Chris Davis... Um, there was an article recently yeah. on ESPN.com. Uh, MLB. Uh, MLB, rather, that kind of made uh, the rounds on the interweb about uh, Chris Davis potentially being an all-star. Yes. This season. Yes. 2019. Let us clarify. <laughs> this is in no way saying he should be. This is in no way saying that he's on a path to being. It's just all the article was saying is that there is a possibility. Written by Mike Petriello. Petriello of MLB.com. Um, I think he had some interesting points, Paul. It's it's an interesting conversation to have because of, one, obviously Chris Davis' history dating back to last year and start this season, you know, setting a new record for Hitler streak. Yeah. Um, but also, two, the way he's been playing so of recently, I think it just all comes together to be a good story, and it, it's it's fun to think about. Like, wow, could this guy really turn his entire career around, in, at least in this two year span, right? And being statistically one of the worst players in MLB history to becoming an all star the next season, right? I mean, it's just since he broke that hitless streak on April thirteenth, he's slashing two seventy nine with a three fifty five on base percentage and a five forty four. Slugging percentage, um, which is equal to almost a 900 OPS. He, he's of the qualified first baseman. And keep in mind his position. This is something that he points out in the article that the first baseman position in the American League isn't very it's weak, deep. Yeah, it's weak. Um, so that kind of plays in the factor. And then also goes into the factor that every team gets a required w- one, one representative. Yeah. Um, and there aren't many options on the Orioles. And it's also determined, this is also based on the idea that Chris Davis continues to hit the ball well through July. Yeah. Um, he's had a great, what, two weeks at least, and then dating back to now month, dating back to when he broke the streak. But he has to continue that over yeah. June and the beginning of July, obviously. Yeah. It's just a, it's just an interesting conversation. It is, it is. Um, and it would be a hell of a story. It, it would be, and I would love that story. However, I read it, <laughs> Um, and you know, but beyond the initial shock value of it, which is, you know, it's, it's a hot take. It's a hot take. It's, well, that's the thing. I don't even think it's a take. I think he's just, I don't think he's saying he, again, he's I not. I think it's a take to say he's a possibility for him to even be ta- on the table. Look, he's hitting 188 at the time of this recording. Right. And I, I begin on the caveat that he continues to hit the ball. Well, right, if he, right. if he continues to hit the ball 188 through June, yeah, yeah. it's not a conversation. Right. This is going off the fact that he's hitting almost 280 over the past month. Right. And he's trending upwards. If yeah. that expands over the end of May through June, the beginning of July, 
who knows where he's at. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's just, he's just, I don't think it's a take. It would be a take to say he could make it or he will make it. I don't think they're saying, he's just saying there is a possible path that he could, that could, right. everything, if everything falls into place, it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, well, some things I think I took issue with in terms of, he, he talked about, you know, Trey Mancini is likely, most likely, the only Orioles All-Star. I think that's, he's still hitting 308. And he said Mancini's been ineffective since he came back from getting hit by pitch. Relatively, one, very relatively ineffective for him. Um, he still hit a couple homers in there. Um, and also, that's only over a two-week stretch. The guy is still hitting over 300. He's still hitting like one of the best hitters in all of baseball. If you look at his stats on the whole, he's had a, a rough two weeks comparatively, relatively. But I think Trey Mancini, come July, is still going to be the guy that is going to represent the Orioles if it's just going to be one. Right. Um, so I, I still stand by that. And also, yes, the the first baseman list is is very weak right now, but he also calls in a, a, you know, he says the players might vote for Chris Davis because he's more of a household name. I, I don't think that gives the players much credit in terms of their knowledge of the game overall. I, I think, think, no, I think that was talking about the fans. I think he's saying players the have fan a fan vote. Yeah. I think the, because in the fan vote, maybe not, but he's also a household, he's more of a household name than Trey Mancini probably. Well, yeah, but he's, I think he's the most recognizable Oriole on this roster. Well, in terms of first baseman too, he's talking. Okay. And also first baseman, but I think for the players in terms of their vote, He's has a longer history and is more yeah agreed, but maybe I've, respected or, and I th- I think he's also saying that the, if again, if he comes close to deserving of the consideration, I think he's also saying that his peers would give him that honor, considering where he's coming from. Right. Um. Yes, and I think that they would respect that, and I think that they have so far kind of respected where he's come from already, and. Um, how he's already starting to change the narrative. That being said, I just think it's it, but the whole article on the whole is is a little bit of a reach. Still, would be awesome to see Chris Davis continue to hit like this. Um, I don't want to undersell how good he has been the past few weeks because he's been good. Not not just you know all thing you know not relatively good. He has been good the past few weeks, um, and that's been awesome to see. A- any kind of you know good kind of storyline like that. Um, for a guy that came into the year needing needing good storylines yeah. is uh, really awesome. So yeah. that's the fact that it is being discussed. You know, whether, it's good. Uh, yeah. Wh- how, it's however, however, out of right. the range of possibility. And I think that's all he, this writer was saying is like, th- it's, it's something that we're talking, uh, worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, and so it's something that also we can revisit. In a month, and, yeah, and see where how Chris Davis has fared over the next two, three weeks, and, exactly. and and see if we can either table it and say, you know what, that was a that was a fun thought a month ago, but he just hasn't kept that yeah. progression, or be like, hey, this is something now we need to talk more seriously and look more deeper into because he's hitting really well and everyone else has it. You know, again, right. certain pieces have to fall in place exactly right for Chris Davis to even be considered for us to even continue talking about it. It's just a fun little caveat that that Chris Davis, an Oriole, is getting that kind of attention. Well, something I think we should uh, talk about the next time we convene for a podcast and right. go deeper into would be another first baseman slash outfielder, Trey Mancini, because a lot of talk has been centered around should Trey be viewed as a long-term piece or should he be viewed as a potential trade ship? Um, because we've seen a, a, a 
conversation and a, a mini debate beginning to grow. I think it'll only get louder as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, in terms of Trey Mancini's long-term future in Baltimore. So the next time we convene, I want to talk about that. Right. So we talked about how Chris Davis, that whole story is a good, would be a good field goal story. We have a good feel good story to wrap up uh, with the ain't baseball. Great. Yes. Um, I had notes on Chris sale striking out 17 the other night, but it's it's kind of extensive. So I'm going to do a quick wrap up staying within the division. Everyone knows of lag. Guerrero Jr. Well, first of all, Bobby. I got to play the segment. All right. Hey, baseball great. There, there he go. is. There's a sound bite. There uh, he is. So, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Hey, baseball great. The number one prospect in all of baseball. Hey, baseball great. Made his debut. Hey, baseball great. About a <laughs> month ago. Or no, two weeks ago. Okay. He had been struggling, mm-hmm. as rookies do. Uh, we saw Carter Keyboom just locally have, have, have struggles as well. Another top prospect that got the call around the same time. Um... And and he was Guerrero struggling to find his home run. Now, keep in mind that throughout his entire career, Vlad Jr. is going to be compared to his dad. Yes, right? I mean that's just the way it is. I mean, when you have a Hall of Fame type dad, and and you're the number one prospect in baseball, you're just always going to be compared to him. How about this, Paul? Vlad Jr. finally got not his first, but also his second yeah. home run the other day. And where did it occur? In San Francisco against the Giants in the same ballpark that his dad won the 2007 Home Run Derby, where Vlad Jr. was there with him at his side wearing his little Angels Guerrero jersey. I mean, if it wasn't going to be in his home ballpark, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Where his first home run to come where his dad won a home run yeah. derby. I mean, that's just one of those hey, baseball great moments. That's just like, that's what are the odds? What a coincidence. It is pretty cool. Also, Vlad Guerrero had like, he literally had a Hall of Fame career. I feel like you could say that about almost, like there's probably some milestone in like almost every ballpark that Vlad Guerrero put up. So yeah, like, like right. almost like. So every time Junior does something there, it's going to be like, yeah. well, his dad did it in 1998. Right. Something. Like if he if he played, you know, if he hit a home run against the Angels in his first at bat, it's yeah, like, whoa. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the right. Nationals, whoever it yeah, may be, but some, that, some franchise he touched. But still awesome. Yeah. Um, and the, the connection that those two guys have had in terms of like, you know, the video that they put out when Vlad Guerrero Jr. made his MLB debut. I have a question for you, Bobby, on this Yo, topic. Shoot. Who had a better final season with the Orioles? Jim Tomey or Vlad Guerrero? Because remember, Vlad Guerrero's final season in the bigs happened in Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Played his final 145 games as a member of the Orioles. I feel like you're setting me up. It's a trick question, so I'm going to say... I actually don't know, so I'm Googling it now. Okay. But... Give then I'm going to say Guerrero then, if you don't know. I f- I, it felt like to me like you knew the answer already and you were setting me up for like a trick question and you were, and it was actually going to be Tommy. I'm going to say Guerrero. It was Vlad because uh, Tommy only spent 28 games with the Orioles. Oh, there you go. I didn't realize it was that few, but he had gotten traded from the Phillies that year. Um, so he only spent the half second half of the season. Um, only 28 games. That's kind of surprising. Uh, but he hit... 257 in those 28 games and had three homers. Vlad Guerrero had a low-key good age 36 season with the Orioles. I remember when he was here. That 290. Was, that was right before I started at Madison. That was, what, 2011? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, 2011. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. 290. Because season. Right before they started being um, competitive. 13 homers, 63 RBIs, which are not, you know, Vlad Guerrero numbers, but they're still okay numbers. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, He'll take that. 
He probably could have played. Uh, so his homers went way down. It was more than less than half of the amount of homers he had with the Rangers the year before. But he probably could have kept playing. Interestingly, I mean, given he, given two ninety, he probably could have earned a contract he, somewhere else. Him and his son, I'm assuming, are just freaks in major. They they were just born to do one thing, and that was crush baseballs. Yeah, and and he could have done it till, you know, he was forty five. Yeah. Um, well, probably, so, probably still can't. So his son does it till he's 45. What do yeah. you want to get in about uh, Chris Sale? Because look, uh, he, he just took had a lot of notes, Bob. I, I did. wanted you to get some of this. All right, well, there. then ain't baseball great? Ain't baseball great? So this is kind of unfortunately for Orioles fans. It's just kind of a cool stat thing that happened with Chris Sale. Um, so he struck out 17 over seven innings, setting a major league record on Tuesday at Fenway Park against the Rockies, which is not an easy lineup to do so. No. I mean, um, yeah, the Rockies can slug the ball. So he became the first pitcher to strike out 14-plus batters in consecutive starts since Clayton Kershaw did it in 2015. And when Kershaw did it, he did it a week after, guess who? Chris Sale did it <laughs> for the White Sox. <laughs> Whoa. Um, let's see. He was also the first pitcher to strike out 17 or more since Max Scherzer's 20 uh, strikeout outing in, back in 2016. Mm-hmm. He's also the first lefty to strike out 17 since Johan Santana did it with the Twins back in 2007, That's so wild. 12 years. Um, let's go down the list. Also, he's the the first pitcher since Pedro Martinez to strike out 17 with the Red Sox. Pedro did it all the way back in May 2000. But the, th- the, two, things, the two things they have in common, they're also both the last two pitchers to strike out that many batters and also have their team lose. Wow. The Rockies came all the way back to beat the Red Sox 5-4 to four in 11 innings that night. Um, on Tuesday night, and so Chris Sale gets the no decision regardless of setting a major league yeah. record by 17, sh- striking out 17 over 7. Well, I also turned on MLB Network that night and watched the, like their discussion. Hey, baseball, great! Yeah, it is, and I watched their discussion about it, and they were like, should they have kept him, in? should Alex Gore have kept him in um, at 108 pitches to see if he could get 20? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no. Chris Sale is a veteran at this point. He's what? He's over 30, I think, at this point. But even if even if he threw an immaculate inning and got to the 20 strikeouts, he would still have thrown 117 pitches, which is still way too many. Right. And he was three away from tying the record. So, no, I, 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 I think that was just kind of a ridiculous conversation to have at that point. Yeah. But anyway. But also, keep in mind that he is back. He struggled this season. Yeah. He has struck out 41 of his last 76 batters faced. That's wild. 10, 14, and 17. And that 14 strikeout adding came against the Orioles here at Camden Yards. Another game which the Red Sox almost yeah. maybe even should have lost. Um, but, yeah, Chris Sale is just on a, on a hot streak right now. Well, weird that— Put they, him in your fantasy lineups when he's pitching. And especially weird because his, like, fastball velocity has been way up and down um, through the beginning parts of the season. They were like— Spring training, it was like lower than ninety, and it was like, "What is going on with this guy? Is yeah. he broken?" And now all of a sudden, he's back to Chris Sale. Yeah, and he's also one of those pitchers where I, I will never understand his motion because he is so tall and lanky. It's just limbs everywhere, and somehow he gets the ball over the plate. Like I, I don't know yeah. how. Like, and also left-handed, it boggles my mind. I will also never understand why he cut up those jerseys in Chicago. Bobby, what's your Twitter handle? At Bobby underscore Blanco. It is my name with the underscore in between. Paul, what is yours? At Paul Mancano. Like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Thank you for tuning in to the Mass and All Access podcast. We'll see you later.